There are many definitions of worship, but a simple one is giving him his worth out of the depth of who we are. That's why we come on Sunday. To do it individually and corporately. To support one another in him. But our primary thing is to worship God. And aren't we fortunate that we can come here without the fear of punishment or guns or malicious slander or any such things that so many millions of Christians in the world face every week? We are free to worship him. Now I want to speak about the name of Jesus I can't tell you anything you don't already know. I'm going to start from where we were last week. So I'm going to read the same psalm we looked at last week. It's Psalm 113. But you won't find it a familiar version because I'm reading from Robert Young's translation. Robert Young was an academic um, over a hundred years, 150 years ago maybe, um, a linguist and a, an academic who translated the scriptures um, using the idioms of the original languages. And that's why I'm reading this psalm using his translation. Just listen to the idioms of the original language. If you were here last week, just imbibe it again. He uses the word Jehovah, but I'm going to use the word Lord, okay? Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is blessed. From henceforth and unto the age it is blessed. From the rising of the sun unto its going in, praised is the name of the Lord. Above the heavens is his honour. Who is like the Lord our God? He is exalting himself to sit. He is humbling himself to look on the heavens and on the earth. He is raising up from the dust the poor and from the dung heap he exalteth the needy. He causes them to sit with princes, with the princes of his people, causing the barren one of the house to sit, a joyful mother of sons. Praise ye the Lord. So this is a brief recap on last week. The word Lord used there is the word Adonai. It is deliberately used to replace Yahweh. Yahweh is the name by which God called himself when Moses at the burning bush said, who shall I say sent me? And Yahweh means I am who I am. So as we pointed out last week, he's not who we say he is. He's not the sum total of our best thoughts of him. He's not our theological dissemination of him. He is who he is. Now, there's something about this word Adonai. 
I might get myself into a theological pickle here. Because the singular word, I'm not a linguist, remember, the singular for Lord is Adon. And this word is Adonai, which is plural. If you Google plural of majesty, you will have arguments for and against every which way of understanding this. But the thing is, the Lord, the Lord our God is one God, is what was read to us this morning from Deuteronomy. The Lord our God is one God, but at several points in the scripture, this plural of majesty is used. Remember, the queen would say, my husband, no, not my husband and I, that's not plural of majesty, that's plural of family. We, we welcome you when she's speaking of herself. So it may mean nothing more than that, but God is who he is. And extraordinarily, through the New Testament, we discover that he's a plurality of being without being more than one. That somehow he's a society of being. That somehow or another he is Father and Son and Holy Spirit without being three and without being a jigsaw of three parts. He is who he is. The Lord. Plural. But one. Elohim is another of the words used for God. Plural of majesty. One God. But we know him as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Explain him. Don't ask me. He is who he is. Awesome beyond our understanding. Now this awesome God, he is exalting himself to sit, I'm still backtracking on last week, her majesty in her coach or in her car during the jubilee celebrations while everybody stood and cheered had the majesty to sit. You understand? Whilst we kneel and we bow or we stand, she has the majesty to sit and to be honoured. This is what the psalmist is saying of our God. And he is high above the heavens, so he is exalting himself to sit, but he's humbling himself to look down just on the heavens. Let alone look down on you and me and then reach down and almighty God reach down and lift us up from the dung heap. Condescension is not the word that describes it. It's just an attempt. This is our God. But I said I was going to speak about Jesus. This psalm, and this is the end of the catch-up of last week, this psalm is one of the psalms that's read before the Passover meal. By Jews, they've been doing it for generation after generation up to the present day. When Jesus was leader of the Passover meal before his death, he subtly and perhaps to some Jews' minds, blasphemously, changed it to be a reference 
to himself. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me, said Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The amazing thing is, and I cannot get my head around this, is that that picture of the Father, God humbling himself and reaching far down to lift up the outcast. Jesus is God's visible expression of that. Jesus is that word made flesh. Jesus is the arm of the Lord. So when you read this psalm, Jesus is in there because he is the Saviour. John's Gospel begins, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. This is not something he would have written before he met with Christ. This was only something he could write after he had encountered Christ, walked with him, watched him die, experienced the reality of a resurrection. And then received the gift of God's Spirit. Looking back on it, recognizing in Jesus, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And nothing was made that was made without him. And then he goes on just a few words later, say the Word became flesh. And the original ending of John's Gospel ends with a Jew, Thomas, whom we like to belittle because he doubted, but whom I want to honour, because in the first ending of John's Gospel, we find a Jew kneeling down and saying to Jesus, my Lord and my God. This is the Lord Jesus Christ we're talking about. The one without whom you and I have no life with God. And this reaching down of God, Jesus, this Saviour, the lengths to which God has gone beyond what this psalm says. Because God has reached down into the slurry and the slush of our sin through Christ dying and carrying it and taking it on himself because the scripture says he was pleased to lay our transgressions on Jesus. That's how far down he's gone into the slush and slurry and mess and stink and disgusting conditions of our sin, taking our sin, not because he had none, on himself. So that being raised from the dead, being righteous himself, he could stand between you and me, stand between us and God.
I had this as a mental experience which was very real to me once after I'd been backsliding. And I went to a prayer meeting where people were praying about the Holy Spirit and came home and was praying about this. And suddenly in my mind's eye, it was as though I was in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, chapter 6. And it was as though I found myself in the presence of Almighty God. No visions, I can't claim any great visions. But it was just that sense. And it was as though God was saying to me, stand in my presence. And I stood, I literally got up out of my seat and stood in his presence. And I was trembling because I was being backsliding. And suddenly in my mind's eye, it was as though Christ had stood across between us and said, Father, I take responsibility for this man's sin and for his nature. And I was reborn again. This is what it meant for God to reach far down from above the heavens to lift you and me up. And the one who does it is the one, Jesus Christ, who says, I am, ego eimi, I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. So that, so that, the, so that I think it's Peter says, there's no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the I am for that. Now how can he be the I am when there is only one I am? When in Isaiah 42, God says, I am the Lord, I give my glory to no man. But somehow out of the plurality of his being, God has reached down, enfleshed, personally, to lift us up in Christ. Christ is not just a scripture union picture on a wall. Now, I don't mean any of the songs which Geraldine sings here. I mean some other things I've heard in other places. Jesus is my girlfriend, forget it. Jesus is the Lord. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he brings us to God. Paul, I think Paul mirrors, whether he did it intentionally or not, uh, Paul mirrors this psalm. Uh, you'll be so familiar with this. Please don't turn off because it's familiarity. He is actually quoting an early Christian hymn. Speaking of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Again, see if I can find the idiom, the Greek idiom for that. Jesus, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery 
to be equal with God. Isn't that amazing? It was not robbery for him to be considered equal with God. But he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Even death on a cross. This is the majesty of God bowing down to lift up sinners whom he loves. But then concerning the name of Jesus, the apostle or the hymn continues like this. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth under the earth and every tongue confess acknowledge admit declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I was going to suggest we sang a verse of a carol, but we won't. Or shall we? Let's do it. Have we got it up there? It's just the second verse. Can we sing it just voices only? Geraldine, would you mind leading us? Thank you. Christ the Lord, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, Hail incarnate deity, Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Of the herald angels sing, And the reason I wanted to sing it was that verse, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. There is such mystery in the nature and the being of God and such mystery in the nature and the character of Christ because veiled in flesh, see the Godhead. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father, said Jesus. I and the Father are one. No one comes to the Father but by me. 
veiled in flesh, real human flesh, not pretend flesh, real live human being, but some, because he's emptied himself and taken the essential form of a human being like you and I are human beings, yet veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. And the mystery of this, something of his awesome, everlasting nature was experienced by John. He mentions it in the book of Revelation. It's just another passage of scripture you've heard many times before. Just try and, try and let the words ring in a new way. I turned to see the one who was speaking to me, says John. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. They represented seven particular churches. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash round his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who then placed his hand on John, as he does to you and me, and says, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Our Lord Jesus Christ. But don't be afraid, because he reached far down into the pits to get you into the pits of the sin which only you know about yourself, to lift you up and to bring you to God with him. Hallelujah. What is the response to this? Maybe, in your case, you just need to start again. Get down on your knees, like I had to in that Isaiah 6 kind of thing and stand up before God, and maybe you just need to acknowledge again what your sin or your indifference or your dispassion, where it's brought you. But don't be afraid, because Christ will stand up, and he will say, but I have become this man, this woman's righteousness. But perhaps you just need to begin there again. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Awesome God. Maybe you need to remember his name. 
I still told a story two weeks ago and I was out of place. Pete should have corrected me afterwards, but he was too gracious. So I apologise for that. But it's a story about the name of Jesus. When I was a student at London Bible College, which is now London School of Theology, isn't it? Yeah. When I was a student there, two of us had a summer job, a vac, doing the vac summer vacs. And it was going through the streets of Watford with a pedometer and painting little white lines every 100 metres for some reason. Of course, wheeling a pedometer, a little wheel, on the end of a long stick, gets lots of comments. And from time to time, these comments turned into discussions about what we were doing as students and what Pete Maskell and I tried to do um, appropriately. If people said, well, what are you studying? We'd say something like, well, we're studying at London Bible College and we're studying the scriptures and things like that because we're passionate for people to know about Jesus. Two particular instances. On one occasion, we said that we're passionate for people to know about Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, the man we were talking to became so deeply involved and wanting to know that he was drawn in because the power of God, Jesus is the power of God. And that conversation lasted an hour, which we then had to confess to our boss later on. A couple of days later, we met a man who was coming home from work. He was just standing in his gate. He made the usual jokes about our pedometer, and we got into a useful discussion, which was already five minutes old, when he said, why are you doing it? What are you studying? Well, we're, we're at London Bible College, and we're studying, among other things, the scriptures, because we're passionate about Jesus, and we want more people to know about him. Literally, without saying another word, as soon as we mentioned the name Jesus... He turned on his heel and walked into his front door without looking back. Jesus is the one who has made us what we are. He is the one who has brought us to God. If we want to witness of Jesus in the world, if we want people to know him, at some point appropriately... We have to mention him. Andy Grant was one of the students here 25 years ago. He, last Sunday, he was fully, completely, finally ordained as an Anglican priest up at, um, do you remember him, do you? Yeah. Up at uh, York Minster by Archbishop Centenu, is it? And as the Archbishop gave the final charge and sent these newly ordained men and women out into the world. He said, don't tell them about the Church of England. Talk about Jesus. So when you get to work, what did you do at the weekend? Okay, well, you went to church. What did you do there? We talked about Jesus. Maybe you will get in, drawn into a conversation you have to confess to your boss about. Maybe that colleague won't talk to you for the rest of the week. But how can we help people come to Jesus if we forget his name? 
who is, I am, the Lord. And I'm going to finish there by inviting you to do a piece of homework. No checking up on it. If you read the Acts of the Apostles, there are two occasions when Paul gave a testimony. We've heard two testimonies tonight. Both of them talked about Jesus. You will find two testimonies by Paul. In those testimonies, read them, they take no more than three, four minutes, depending your reading speed. He says, this is what I was like before. This was my encounter with Jesus. This is the consequence. This is the change it's made. I invite you as homework, in reverencing the Lord Jesus Christ, to go away and during the week put together a little testimony before encounter consequence centred upon Jesus and you okay so that if anybody asks you to give an answer for the hope that is in you you can say in no more than three minutes and see what happens <laughs>